Hello. Crinkle, crinkle, crackle, crackle. <laughs> oh, it's the sound of minion gummies being consumed on air. It must be the millennial hour with your hosts, Judson Brown and Colleen Karazic. What's up? <laughs> I decided to change it up today. Excellent. <laughs> and I'm adjusting. This is the... Oh, my God. This was... I've played every day for the last... Since the last, like, two Tuesdays ago or something like that. Two Tuesdays ago. Try saying that five times Like, fast. two days. That's not a lot. <laughs> no, no. It's... I think I did, like, 13 shows in two weeks. So this is the end run of that. Capping mm-hmm. it off with a recording of the Millennial Hour. And I'm wearing glasses. <laughs> <laughs> So cool. Well, how, how's your that week? was a fun episode. Oh, <laughs> uh, I love being sick in August. By the by, um, yeah, I believe you are the outbreak monkey for this. No, for this run. No. Yeah, because we both no. had gotten rid of our germs. Then no. you, your germs, quote unquote, came back. But I think you got new ones because you gave them to me. Same thing. Same old thing. Yeah, it feels like. It does feel like it. And I am quite tired of this. After every show, my nose plugs up again. Oh, this is the sexiest episode ever. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, ladies, gentlemen, hold yourselves back. I know we're just double threat here. (laughs) Just getting all y'all, all all y'all hot and bothered. Hey, so last... Monday morning or whenever you're listening to this. (laughs) Last week we talked about... We'll talk about that next week because, you know, time management is one of the millennial hour, not the the responsible (laughs) baby boomer hour. Okay, it's the millennial hour. We come in with an agenda. We do. And it just never seems to fit right. Well, we like to take detours. It's like when you're driving in your car when you're a kid and your parents are like, you're like, oh, stop here. And they're like, no, because they know better. The car's driven by a millennial, like, yeah, let's stop there. Let's stop here. Let's stop there. Let's go do this. Let's go to five different fast food restaurants so everyone's happy. <laughs> or let's go to five different restaurants so I'm happy. Yep. I'll order one thing off the dollar menu from each one. Yep. Ah, that's, that's a true story. <laughs> that is the way to be the dollar menu air. Yeah. There's good. no salads for a dollar, though, so I, I shouldn't do that. It was a good dinner, though. It was a long time ago. I don't live that lifestyle anymore. Three <laughs> three fast food restaurants and an evening tops. Tops. Uh, tops, four. It's only if I need ice cream. Again. Nice. Anyway. <laughs> I think this has been good radio so far. So we were talking about, uh, we promised this week to talk a little bit at least about Trent Reznor scoring the new Ken Burns documentary with his friend, which... Atticus Ross. Atticus Ross, yes. <laughs> Had it pulled up on my phone, but mm-hmm. he just swooped in for the rebound. Excellent. Yeah. We make a good two-person basketball team. Doo-doo-doo. Yeah, so they have, um, that duo, I guess, has already won an Academy Award for uh, Best Original Score for The Social Network. That was back in 2010. 2010. And then Jesus. in 2013, they won a Grammy for Best uh, Best Score Soundtrack soundtrack let's put extra letters and everything because that's a bonus prize and those letters are free that's okay because um, you're doing those and i'm doing those but i thought you know it was all my 
jack fire whatever Sean was buying me today and making me do it. But no, we're just both very tired. Let me finish my statement. Okay, Grammy Award for Best Score Soundtrack for Visual Media because they did uh, for the soundtrack uh, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Mm. And then finally in 2016, uh, Atticus Ross joined Nine Inch Nails. Cool. Who, if if you're not sure, <laughs> is... Uh, they're the guys died. that wrote that Johnny Cash song <laughs> called Hurt. Yeah, that was originally a Nine Inch Nails song. Uh, For all my country folk, <laughs> you know, if you've got a 10-gallon hat and you're listening to the Millennial Hour on your 8-track. Sorry. What? All right, Dead Air King. <laughs> Are you going to play us some of this or what? Yeah, let's go and do that. Um, we're going to play some Nine Inch Nails real quick. Oh, we're doing that give first. You, give you a little bit of what he sounds like. Yeah, let's do that. Because not everyone's heard him. He sounds like a bug. Mm. Now he sounds like drums. <laughs> Happy gumdrop music. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, if you live through the 90s, to tell the tale, yeah, the happy gumdrop music, it takes you right back. <laughs> that was, of course, uh, Head Like a Hole from the 90s, Nine Inch Nails catalog, or as I like to call it, the Bow Down Before the One You Serve song. Apparently, most of YouTube likes to call that as well. So. Yeah, well, a lot of us remember the 90s little <laughs> snippets, and they're like, oh, yeah, I, I know Nine Inch Nails. They got to do that bother down before the one you, that song, and mm -hmm. then you search it <laughs> based on the lyrics. No, that's helped me out a lot <laughs> yeah. in the past. Not going to lie. Even if I only remember one line, I'm like, oh, hey. It helps Google? so much. Oh, yeah. Google is, is my memory. I was just going to say that. It's my brain. It's my memory bank. <laughs> I, I'd go as far as to say it as it's my brain some days, not just my memory. Because mm. <laughs> I find out stuff I never even knew that I knew or that I wanted to know <laughs> because of Google. <laughs> wow! There's a Google of possibilities. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so that's what Nine Inch Nails kind of sounds like. And 
So he's doing the score for a Ken Burns movie, Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And so... That's due out this fall, correct? Yeah, due out this fall. And there is a uh, little demo of, of what's going on there, which we're going to play. And what's cool, uh, what you want to listen to when you're doing this, as you listen to the intro to have it like a whole, you heard that he used some little insect sounds uh, or whatever it was. To you, it sounded like a little insect buzzing. It could have mm-hmm. been a machine of some kind. And so what he does is he uses a lot of sound effects as rhythmic as rhythmic uh, set pieces to kind of record around. And so if you're making a movie about the Vietnam War, of course, you'll be able to use helicopters. You'll be able to use machine guns. These are all rhythmic things that you can incorporate into a score. So it kind of, in, in this service of a documentary, it becomes a mixture of Foley and of score, which is kind of cool, especially for a movie, uh, documentary about this era of human technology that it's something that uh, his music could be pretty pretty well suited for because nobody else really does that where there's the combination of sound effects. Well, it could go along with it. No one that's become more mainstream. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I, I'm not talking about the music concrete thing, which has been around since the 70s or 60s, whenever that came around. But yes, he's the only... I suppose I should resend my previous statement and acknowledge that Trent Reznor is the most well-known in mainstream culture practitioner of that. So let's sound, let's find out what he sounds like doing the score for a Vietnam documentary. On December 18th, Nixon unleashed round-the-clock airstrikes (laughs) that flattened targets around Hanoi and Haiphong. It would be remembered as the Christmas bombing. And all of a sudden, around Christmas time, we hear an arc light operation, B-52s, bum, 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 and it's all around, and it is just exploding, and everyone knew they were B-52s. And it's in the two years that I was there, that was the first time I ever heard a bomb. And it was close. It was really close. It was frightening, but we were still cheering. I mean, we were cheering because something was happening. You can hear the ambience. You gotta remember those mechanical wind noises are score. The, uh, the bombs were in time with the uh, pulse, whatever that low instrument is. Called the bombing which killed more than 1,600 civilians, the object of daily grief. James Reston of the New York Times pronounced the raids war by tantrum. Republican Senator William Saxby of Ohio said the president had taken leave of his senses. Mm. 
It's really just about painting. Yeah, painting pictures, which is kind of what he does with his thing. It, you know what it reminds me of a lot? It reminds me of the StarCraft soundtrack. <laughs> That's what they were going that for. That is what they're going for. Oh, oh, hold on. It's the highlight of my day! Check it out. Listen, could this be a new Nine Inch Nails song? Yes. Or it could be the Zerg theme music from StarCraft, clearly influenced by Nine Inch Nails. He's even got the same mixture of Foley. He's got the little dentist drill in the uh, right ear. So he's using mechanical sound effects as part of it, and a guitar. It's like a mixture of uh, Nine Inch Nails, Pink Floyd, and music concrete. <laughs> All I'm saying is that, you know, StarCraft is still played, you know, daily by everyone in South Korea for a reason. Man, I wasted a lot of time on StarCraft when I was a kid. But the, the score was good. It was very, very well written. And it composed and recorded, and I still enjoy listening to it. For completely different reasons. All right. So anyway, <laughs> are, you, are you done? Nine Inch Nails is recording a uh, Civil or um, Vietnam uh, soundtrack. So that's, that's not. No, 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 no. What? Trent Reznor. Oh. And his buddy, Atticus Frost. Which are both in Nine Inch Nails. Well, now they are. Just, just, puh, puh. I have no words. Anyway. Yeah, but I didn't realize one of the uh, genres that was listed for Atticus was a uh, dark ambient. I, I didn't realize that was a uh, term that we were using now. Experimental, yes. Electronica, I, yes. Ambient, what I yes. But it. dark, dark ambient. I think I've searched for dark when I uh, uh, Halloween last year. I searched for dark. Oh, ambient that's true. Music. To play out the window. And I found it. Oh <laughs> man, did I find it! This year, yep. I'm writing my own. <laughs> uh, so. uh, okay. Can I make you list other things that, you know, maybe I can get you to do before you, you know, hunker down for the <laughs> Halloween music to blare out the window for four hours for our three trick-or-treaters that come by? You'll also get a, <laughs> you'll also get a wicked dark ambient score that we can push around places. Oh, okay. Well, you've uh, written tracks for a movie. What if we discussed that on this we show before? We never have. We never okay. have. Right? Yeah. But it was different because, well, you, you weren't doing it to be synced and timed up with an actual no. scene. Well, one was, I, I, did, I did two songs that appeared in it, and one was more of an ambient thing. Uh, well, I did three. One was for a trailer, but mm -hmm. the, in the actual movie, there's only two. One of them was for background music in a scene. Mm -hmm. It wasn't intended to be synced up, but it was to... Uh, inspire a mood. Mm -hmm. So I did one mood track and then one track that needed to have the same beat as a Mavis Staples song that they couldn't get the rights for. So I had to... Mm -hmm. It was supposed to be a song. It was supposed to be just a song coming out of a speakers in a shop somewhere. So cool. Right. Well, that's... A little different. Yeah, so we'll, we'll know more. They, um, 
you could find Vietnam online. It's, it's a PBS. It's a first look. And what we played is, I think that's the only thing we could really find. Well, that had, samplers, a, that had soundtrack. Yeah. Everything you, else you is could, more of a commercial. Uh, Ken Burns speaking about it. So if that's something that interests you, there are um, a few videos up. Kind of psych you up for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, watch, watch some stuff about the Vietnam War. Next month or whatever. So it's, it's very soon. Um, life's too cheerful right now in 2017. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Clearly. Let's talk about Vietnam. No. All right. What do we got next? A teeny tiny little blurb. Rock opera-esque-ish. Yeah. Is, Let's talk maybe. about what rock operas are, because you and I have a couple of different ideas. They're both true. <laughs> but there's two different versions, and we're, we both have different levels of knowledge about about each one. So let's well, you go first. Okie doke. <laughs> So this all came out of, um, I guess, an, an email I got to play a run of uh, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, even though I say raincoat a lot, complete accident. <laughs> I do it in my head, too, and I have to you know, correct myself we in my and, head. We went and redid 30 <laughs> seconds of this episode, episode, so nobody knew that you did that, and then you just come out and admit it. Because if I admit it, it's different than hearing me do it honestly, because that's totally... It, it's totally different. The audio different. is still on here. I can put it Whatever. on later. La, la, la. So I'll do that up at Ravinia next month. But So I wanted to talk about Rent, uh, the rock musical Rent, written by Jonathan Larson. All right. Yes. Talking about Rent. So, you know, they did the movie in 2005, I believe. Sounds about still. right. Stage show. Oh. Breaks my heart. Did you see Amazing. it? Amazing, yes. Did you see it in Broadway with the original cast? <laughs> yeah. No, I did not. I wish. Um, you might have. That was your previous life. Traveling. No, but we listened to that soundtrack, the the original Broadway soundtrack for got like on just nonstop. You know what's in we- the dorms. You know what's a cool transition with with our this topic here is that we both had rock operas that were soundtrack to our college years. But they were two very different kinds of rock operas. See if you can guess which one mine was. Came out around the same time. Anyway, let's talk about Rent first. <laughs> Excellent. So, if you're not familiar, uh, Rent was written based on uh, Puccini's opera La Boheme, and coincidentally, or maybe not coincidentally, the debut of Rent was meant to be a hundred years after Puccini's opera. Um, mm. So. Unfortunately, so Jonathan Larson died uh, unexpectedly. He was only 35. Did he have? He, no. And he died on the morning of one of the first, you know, the performances, more or less. Oh, really? So the guy that wrote it never really saw it become the success? No, he did not. Mm-hmm. No. I think he only did one interview about it, too. So it's since. I guess since it's come about, I mean, it's won a Pulitzer for drama. Uh, it's won three Tony Awards. It's won a, a plethora of other awards. Uh, so the the gist of it is it follows seven artists uh, who are dealing with AIDS. And this is in New York City, uh, East Village sort of thing, the, the bohemian style of living and everything. Uh, so... When Larson wrote this, his idea was to bring a completely different generation, I think what he called the MTV generation, 
to the theater. Mm. And it's another way to, like we talk mm. about all the time, is trying to find a lifeline to keep this stuff alive. Right. So, it, And I think it worked to a large extent, especially with some people. Yeah. So he, he wrote hundreds of songs <laughs> to, to fit in here. It ended up being uh, kind of knocked down to 42. It's a lot of songs. Yeah. But it's it's... I don't know. I just, I really, really like the stage show. So I would recommend uh, finding, you know, a Broadway recording, even part of one on All YouTube right. instead of the movie. So, so are we going to blast one song, Glory, real quick? No. Only if we're going to blast your song really quick. It's gonna be we're really going quick. to listen mm. to one song, Glory. From Rent? Yes. Is Glory one of the characters? No. Oh. It's not. So he's actually talking about the concept of Glory? Yes. All right, so keep that in mind as you listen. <laughs> P.S. Before he starts, Chris Columbus directed the movie in 2005, mm. and Robert De Niro was, on, was one of the producers, which I did not know. One song, glory, one song before I go, glory, one song to leave behind. Fine, one song, one last refrain, glory from the pretty boy front man who wasted opportunity. One song, he had the world at his feet, glory in the eyes of a young girl, a young girl. Find glory beyond the cheap colored lights one song before the sun sets glory on another empty life time flies time So you can kind of hear, uh, he worked on this from 1989 to uh, basically, you know, 1993, mm. and they started, you know, making it happen. But 1996 was the actual technical nice. premiere, but yeah. And you can definitely tell this is in a very different era yes. of music than uh, earlier musicals. So uh, that's fun. All right, so that's your version of a rock opera around the same time. I was listening to a very different rock opera. Well, two very different rock operas. One of them relevant, another completely irrelevant. But You get one. I loved that's it anyway. Deal. I played that one last, last week or two weeks ago, that being Metropolis Part 2, Scenes from a Memory. But this is also considered a rock opera or a concept album, but it is a rock opera. And now it's a stage show, so... <laughs> Yeah, so of course I'm going to play some Green Day American Idiot. Yeah. 
listen to all of it this is a 10 minute song so that of course is Jesus of Suburbia off of American Idiot so I consider um, the rock opera genre that was the most current example of that in the 2000s which some people think of as Green Day's first album and I consider it as their their comeback after we had all written them off as being has-beens they came back with that and kind of revitalized their popularity and the Billy Joe Armstrong's connection with the rock opera genre, so making making him kind of a later day Pete Townsend of the Who, who famously, in the rock opera Tommy, popularized the concept album in the 1960s, and that later was also adapted to a stage show and a movie, much as their concept album Quadrophenia was also later done, and now Green Day does have a stage show based on its music. So, that's my world of concept albums. Colleen, what are you doing? I'm You're crying. crying. You're <laughs> laughing so hard. I can only imagine this is a cat. Was it a cat? It was a dog. It was a dog. Was he on the ceiling or was he small? No, it was just like a person, but he had human legs. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Millennial Hour. My name is Judson Brown. It's been such a great, it's, it's been fantastic hanging out with you all today in Radio Land. We're going to ride out here on a little bit of Jesus' Suburbia. Today we listen to music from Rent. We listen to the StarCraft theme music. We also listen to some of Trent Reznor's soundtrack to and? Vietnam. And Atticus Ross. Atticus Ross. And then we also listen to Nine Inch Nails. Hey, so, bye, like bye. Fox has chosen uh, Rent to be their next live musical, I believe 2018, that's supposed to come out. So that will reignite the love of Rent to the next generation. Excellent. I can't wait. Mm. I had a better song to ride out on. They won't let us play it on WRDDB. No. It's because they have standards it's here. It's inappropriate. A lot of what I do is inappropriate. Just say this. There's a wide variety of music that rock operas. <laughs> yes. Make that a sentence. 